Okay. So. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty sure we left off. And I, this is all, this is all in memory here. I know I, I, I wrote it down. I don't, I don't have my notes with me, but um, with the potential game plan. Now, how, how do we approach teaching youthful beings in a overwhelmingly, um, I guess, what was the word we used? Uh, a, a society that approaches them in a way that rips them from their uh, internal thoughts or like, does it, I guess that, does that make sense even? I like um, that. It does make sense. It's new and I like it. Um, rips them from their thoughts. But, but we're, we're going to answer that as we talk more about your experience. All right. So we ended off with that um, getting called into the majors, experiencing the dichotomy of leadership as a young man. And then uh, we have to advance somehow in your growth in, in a timeline by saying, you know, how did that go from there? Which teams are we talking about? And, and just covering the basics of starting for, because we're, we're talking about the White Sox. Then we're talking about Yank, the Dodgers. The Dodgers, the Dodgers. Yeah, right. which was the most, I guess that would be the, the, the initial and I, I guess um, the most difficult transition was, the, which is always your first transition from what you're used to into, and which is uniform across any transition, right? But um, when I when I was traded, I I had to go from three years of something I was used to and something I was comfortable with in a community that, uh, in the back of your head, when you're when you're younger, you think, oh yeah, these are these are the guys I'm going to be with. And then reality of, of the business end of it hits you where, hey, uh, you're you're an, you're an asset and you can be moved. So yeah. now I have to and now I have to get used to an entirely new um, entirely new group. And as as you learn it, you know, over the course, everybody's going through the same thing, and a lot of people have been through it. So you you meet people along the way that help you, mm -hmm. uh, but initially especially you know at 22 23 years old it's like well god in the back like, god, i mean i already i already got used to it i already i already figured out how to coexist and now i gotta do it with an entirely it's, it's a little bit exhausting the thought process but it's also exciting because it's an opportunity right Every, everything if you see it as a new opportunity is exciting um absolutely you know, you know what I mean? Like, just, just like anything you, you dive into, you're like, oh God, I, what's, what's next for me? And, and you know that there's upside there and the hope for something better is always what drives you, I suppose. And that, especially in that situation when, I mean, maybe I'm not phrasing that right. I, I, I guess. The hope for something better is correct. Yeah. And, and also the idea that in that situation, in that particular situation, it's not always the, this is not always the case, but in my particular situation, it was, it was because somebody wanted me, you know? So I, I knew that, that when I was, was moved, it wasn't because it, it was an idol, you know, it was like, all right, well, Hey, you know, I, I was sought after. So it was, it was gratifying. Um, yeah. Now and, men mentors yeah. along the way in this period, 
notable mentors? Oof. Um, notable mentors. My agent was one of them at the time. Like, I did, he, he, well, it was almost like a father figure to me. You know, like he, he talked me through it because he's watched his players go through it in the past. He had some insight. They put me in touch with probably the best piece of that situation, which was Russell Martin, uh, the catcher for the Dodgers at the time, who had just signed a five-year extension. Young, he was 27. He wasn't much older than me, but he was he was kind of rushed up into that uh, that fast track into the major leagues. Kind of how I I didn't realize it was going to be at the time, but I kind of felt that it was that that path, and he had already gone through it. So my agent, who also also represent rep, sorry represented him. Um, we, they put us in touch and we talked and became very good friends. I actually lived with him when I was playing in the major leagues with the Dodgers. I don't know if there was a, a better mentor in the situation because wow. the one thing that I realized that I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's, I guess it's appropriate to, to say that people don't probably understand is that everything in front of a camera when you're in that situation needs to look a certain way. So everybody acts a certain way, but behind the scenes in a locker room, it's much different. It's much different. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, of course it is. Right. Cause everybody, everybody, their own person, everybody's coming from a different background, but he's got their own agenda and people are different across the board, but they, you coexist, but at the major league level, it's a lot more personal. There's a lot more personal agenda and, you you realize that your actual allies are far and few between and the people that are pulling for you are far and few between and it changes. I mean, some teams are different than others. Um, I remember in the minor leagues that we were a lot, a lot more close knit. Uh, the community was a, a lot. I, I don't want to just say closer. We were just all, we all realized that, we were striving for the same thing and it didn't make sense to fight against each other. And the people that did were, they were, they were noticed and they didn't, they, you don't mesh if you're not, you know, it's kind of the, the, uh, the idea of the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but when you get up to that level and there's that much money and clout and, and uh, everything being around people, aren't ex how you portray them in your mind to be it, it's a different it's a different atmosphere you know so not to drone on about it because uh, because i don't i don't want i don't want to i don't want to well, well i think that's an important um piece of the puzzle of of social interaction and as you say coexisting i like that word i never use it but i mean we're all we're all here to coexist in some form or another and if if even if we don't want to coexist, even if we're hermetic and we want to be alone, that's a type of coexisting. And when, when we, um, what am I trying to say here? I think, I, I think I understand what you're, what you're, because it's a, it's a, it's a difficult subject because you, you don't want to, you don't want to highlight the idea of what it, what it comes down to me is, personality recognition 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 that's the word i'm looking for and the ability to understand how to address that that personality in order to um be the best possible co 
cohe- cohesive unit. Cohesive, yeah, yeah. yeah co- so you know that you guys need each other and you need to understand if you want to be efficient as a unit that you have to be the best possible, start to have the best possible relationship and understanding personalities and how to interact with them in a day-to-day environment is probably the most difficult thing we can do as human beings, right? But the most valuable. And the most, and oh. Simultaneously. Without a doubt, the most valuable. And people are so quick to say, uh, well, you know what? what, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the idea of, of, of pushing down the, the, the feelings and, and, not, and not addressing the actual idea behind in, the interaction that's inevitable mm-hmm. is it creates tension. And because it, 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 I, do you agree with that? I mean, I, I think avoiding, uh, avoiding conflict and it doesn't have to be conflict of, of a hostile uh, a hostile nature, just conflict as far as let's figure out how we can best approach each other. And if it is, let's just not talk. Hey, then we're on a level playing field here and we are helping each other. But if we don't find that out, if we don't actually come to that, that, that fork in the road, then we'll, it actually breeds and, and, and builds tension in my mind. Cause yeah, that's true. And you're, and what's fundamental about that is you're talking about the, the eventual maturation that every human goes through, because in the end, we all have to communicate with other human beings. And if we don't know how to do that, we don't know how to approach them uh, with, with like, I don't know, openness uh, and agreeableness. Yeah. We have tension. We have conflict because we want something over what they want. And the key oh, yeah. is to approach people, you know, in a way making sure that what they want and what you want are actually the same thing. Even if you're coming at it from different angles, like a catcher wants something different than a pitcher, but your goals in the end help each other because you're on the same team. That's funny. Is the one thing I appreciate. I actually talk to the catchers the equal to the amount I talk to our pitching staff. Yeah. And, and sometimes I don't actually share all the same information because I, I need these guys and I tell them, Hey, look, we all have to be on the same page. So we talk about the psyche actually of each pitcher individually. And we say, how, how do you approach this guy in yeah. game? What, what is the best approach? We all know that this guy is extremely high strung. And if you come at him on the mound with aggression, it's going to be met with aggression yeah. and it's going to fight against the, uh, the, um, the ultimate goal, right? Which he's going to lose track of what he's, his focus on the game. And he's yeah. just going to start thinking about how angry he is. Right. Uh, and then there's other guys that are super loose where you have to get in their ass every once in a while and say, Hey man, I know who you are, but you're losing focus. Yeah. And, and as the captain of the situation, the catcher, who the catcher is, he's the, he's the one putting on the signs, although that and I'm going more into baseball here than anything else, but it's all baseball, baby. <laughs> yeah. Hey man. But, but it's, but it's also, a, it's such, it's such a phenomenal way to, to look at, how to just deal with with emotion at its most raw and intense point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because within the heat of the moment and the peak of your actual um 
execution of your work, right? That's when you're the most vulnerable to uh, yeah to tension and to uh, stressors. And unless you are able to um, focus on the the process and what you've done, it, uh, instead of the actual moment that's happening then you're not able to execute your game plan or what what we've been trying to accomplish over the course of the, the entire year and that, we, that we've been talking you know like, or whatever good way. yeah and even if you're good be prepared to be wrong exactly specific moment because you may be right but but it, it, even if you're right and not everyone else is jiving with it, it won't even matter. It won't matter that you're right. You, you're have, you have to be prepared to, to switch and, and enter into someone else's mind. If everyone else is kind of agreeing with that person, play it out, be open to it. And how do you do that when you know you're right? Um, and how do you, how do, I mean, it's tough because how do you live life knowing that you may be right, but it won't matter. So that's, th- that's, a, that's actually, honestly, Roger, that it is a day-to-day struggle I have. That's um, the reason that if I would have gone into coaching five years previous to when I did, I would have never succeeded because it, you, you get frustrated with pushback in a situation where you're like, hey, man, you know what? Like, I, I'm, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but the probability of what you're telling me you want to do actually panning out is i know for a fact this this isn't this isn't the, the right process right you know and, and you're going about it in a, in a way where you are telling me you're telling me what you think you believe is right when you haven't actually been able to be proven wrong right so like to me what, right. what i in that situation i try to i try to give them a scenario where it becomes their realization based off of their knowledge, limited knowledge sometimes of what actually works and what they know works because it, it's, it's worked against a certain, God, this is such a loaded, this is such a loaded answer because there, there's so many different ways, but you have to, it's, it's like, a, I always call it the compliment sandwich, right? So mm-hmm. you give them something that they're, that the, a way that they, can approach it and the way that they're doing everything very efficiently and very correctly. Um, and then you approach the issue in a way where it sounds like a minor detail. And then you finish with a compliment about how much, how easy it would be for them to approach how they address what I'm trying to bring up to them. So let's just say, let me give an example. Um, in my universe, a guy can't throw a fastball to his glove side, right? Um, I know for a fact it's because he's setting up too far over to the third base side on the rubber and, he, and he's a righty and he steps across his body. And that ball has arm side run because he's having to open up to try to throw it over there, but he doesn't see that because he's never failed in that situation maybe or maybe that's one scenario or Mm -hmm. he thinks it's going to help him because of something that some other cue that's helped in his head but i know for a fact based off of analytic numbers possibly for one 
or personal experience for two or potentially just his overall makeup that if he doesn't slightly shift his positioning on the rubber or his arm slot or something, it's, it's going to, it's going to be detrimental to his, his overall year. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is like, Hey man, you do this and this correctly. You drive the ball so well into right-handed hitters, but we, we both know that, that lefties kind of beat you up and righties beat you up when you try to throw fastballs away. Why do you, why do you think that is? And I ask him a question to go. make his thought, his actual process, you know, he, I, it wasn't my idea. So we, I know the answer. I know, I know what could potentially be the answer because guess what? I don't know all the answers either. So right. I'm just giving a push in the right direction. He says, well, you know, it, it seems like I, I'm just struggling to get it out there. Cause I feel like I see above he'll give an answer. I said, well, what, what if we try this? And I was just thinking about it because it helped me or it helped this guy, or I gave him an example of somebody that took off and, and then I kind of glorify it by saying, well, all this, all it took was this. And, and then you finish with a compliment, like, God damn, dude, you're this and this and this in your arsenal. Nobody can hit it. God, if you could just get it over there, why don't we try this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? That makes sense. And now it's his idea, not mine. Right. Because uh, no human <laughs> likes to be told what to do. Um, and it's you got to delicately present the problem without grabbing the ball and throwing it yourself and saying, I can yeah. do this better. And anyone can do this better. Exactly. Um, now, tell me something, John. In as a young man, you know, when you were pitching, how did you deal with those situations when people came to you and tried to do what you're doing today? For a long time, I was extremely hard-headed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I failed. I, I, I succeeded a lot, but I also failed a lot. So what? I, okay. So the, the one thing I had going for me is that. Um, I wasn't afraid to try to figure it out, try to figure out what I had to do on the fly. Say, oh, this ain't working. You know, I'm not going to try to drone at home because, I mean, the definition of insanity is trying to repeat the same process and expecting different results. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the same thing over and over with this. However, it's difficult. It's difficult with, with emotion involved, not to repeat at, at times. So going, going back over my, day to day and my game to game and letting the emotion subside that was my biggest teacher so looking as you know god bless i tried these 13 freaking times and every time it got whacked what what was the problem right now you reach out to somebody that may have some knowledge in the situation and i eventually matured to the point where that helped and i and i realized that i didn't have all the answers um so, so moving up, I, I guess the failures were, were the biggest teacher, like we talked about last time and the willingness to be able to admit that I, I needed help in those, in those areas. Mm. There, there was no, there was no other way to go about it and because I had, to, I never had a, the same coach more than one year in a row, probably from high school up and up until the major leagues. Mm. So I try to take bits and pieces. And when everybody told me a, a lot of things, the, the best advice I ever got was always engage in the instruction, but reflect later and let the things that actually sunk in and that, that what you believe will help you. I mean, try everything once, right. But, but let, 
engage in the conversation, but don't fixate on things that you don't. I was told once that you had to move over to a certain spot in order to succeed because you'll not. And this is this is at a point where I was I was dominating, right? But in my mind, I was well. Why would I do that? So I tried, and I was way worse. And in my mind, I'm like, well, why would I do this? Because everybody's telling me to do it. So let me be selective but receptive. Does that is that the right way to put it? So I would I would reverse that. And say let let me be receptive but selective. Then, then selective, yeah. Re- receptive then selective. Yeah. Because I mean, it's Bruce Lee. Uh, you know, just. Yeah collect all the information, drop what you don't need. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Mike Isriatel of, of Renaissance Periodization, famous powerlifting coach, um, teaches his people, you know, don't stop someone, don't ever stop someone from letting them tell you what they, what they know, because oh, yeah. it don't matter. In the, at the end of the day, when they're done, you know two things. You know what you know, and you know what they know. And if the information... Um, even if it doesn't work or it's not valid for you, you still know what they know. So that's valuable because you, you know twice as much. God, I know any information is valuable. Like, and, and whether it's, um, God, this, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but whether it's telling of, of what can help you or it's telling of the person that is instructing you mm-hmm. or, or giving you the information, you still have that information and any information is valuable. And you said the, fir- the first time that we actually had our longest conversation since we reconnected, you just went out and got as much information as you possibly could. Right. And mm-hmm. I thought that was the, I thought that was the, the greatest thing that I'd ever heard. Like, and it, cause it, it was basically what I did uh, aside from, I don't think I've probably read as many books as you did. However, I did have the experience of listening to s- more people than I can name, you know, right. and, I didn't, I probably didn't realize and to, to revert back to the, the main point of the question, how did it help you when you were coming up and what, what was, what was the, what were the, the cues? What, what, what was it that helped you? It, it was the overwhelming number of people and the incredible amount of information I had to take in. Mm. And the fact that, that I did my best to listen to it, even when I was kind of numb to the idea of help uh because to a certain extent that did help me because i wanted i wanted to be who i was and i never veered from that i just constantly remembered things that people told me and so many people are giving you everybody like hey you know what in game this isn't working let me try it this guy said this oh my god he was right yeah you, you find know out I mean? they like, were right and you're like damn they yeah. were right. <laughs> i was wrong <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Maybe I fought him on it. And some, some, some of the times I proved him wrong, and, it, and then, then it actually boosts your confidence. But, um, it, I mean, it, it took a hell of a long time to to realize that to realize I didn't have all the answers because I always thought I did. And then when I looked back on my career and everything that everybody told me, I was like, oh God, yeah, I was so ignorant, but I took a lot from it. So. Yeah. You know that that really was the, the when people say they did everything on, the, on their own it's such a farce yeah i did everything on my own but like i wouldn't have been <laughs> you can't do anything on your own right 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 yeah you're, you would never leave your front door if you if you 
kid, you know. <laughs> I mean, from day one, from when we're born, you know, we're we're using uh, genetic information to to do things. So we're already born with, uh, I think, like a Latin term would be a priori, is information already built in. It's it's just there from the get go, mm. and it's uh, from day one we're we're using that and. I think it's like uh, most people are walking around with this cloth over their eyes and they're looking at themselves like I'm doing this, I'm doing that. If you can reveal the, you know, open up the world, move the cloth and, and realize that, oh, I'm collecting information and acting on best, you know, practices and trying and error, trial, error. Um, you know, you're more open and confident and willing to take risks because, you know, like information is so at the ready um, once you're open. So it's like once this young guy starts to go through this process um, with ease and fluidity, then it's like, okay, you can get rid of social anxiety. Never going to feel that again. You can get rid of like lack of self-esteem. That's never going to happen again. Get rid of tensions with unknown people. Get rid of that because if I don't know them, I'm going to try to get to know them as soon as possible. Um, and then you have this effective, dynamic, powerful person. And it's like one win after another, after another, after another. Um, now, the tough thing about baseball or any, any athletic performance, it's not necessarily a guaranteed win just because your attitude is good. So, you know, how you reconcile that is an entirely other area of coaching, right? How do you build someone up that's been broken down even though they tried their hardest you know what i mean and but i i do want to know so how long did you play for the dodgers three seasons okay so you're you're a starting pitcher for most of that time yeah and i was between the minor leagues and the major leagues i had three parts three seasons in the major leagues and part of that time was in the minor leagues i was most of the time a starter but i did come out of the bullpen primarily when I was in the big league, but I also initially was a starter, you know, in 2010-11 with, with the Dodgers, yes. What What is the, I mean, for someone who's never and will never be in that position, what is that like to be on, a, on the mound and you're going to throw that first pitch? <laughs> um, I, I, gosh, I actually, because I get this question every year from – I was working with like our first year draft guys for, for the most part. And every one of them, as soon as they figure out, Oh man, you pitched in the major leagues and pretty, did pretty well for a little while and everything else and for, for the Dodgers, which is, you know, obviously what was it like? What was, you know, what, Hey, so I, I, I've tried to like harness that answer and it's difficult still <laughs> because you, you have this, this dream in your head. And the, and the best thing I can say is that, what, however you envision it, and how, however important and uh, and like, just the dream that you have in your head, as big as it is, double it in size. <laughs> That's because a cool answer. It's, it's it's literally the. I mean. I, I don't know how to, I actually don't, I don't know how to put it in words. It was the most incredible experience outside of, you know, 
know, get, you know get marrying my wife and everything else, which is, you know, that's, those are the most important things I'm ever, I'm ever going to do. Right. But right. the most monumental thing and the, the most incredible experience, it's, it's, it's like a dream that you have to, you almost have to pinch yourself to understand what's I, I, I can't, I, I try. I build it up as, as much as as it's built as I am building it up, and I still don't think I'm building it up enough. <laughs> it's cool because it's, I mean, pitching in and of itself, and I suppose hitting a ball mm -hmm. um, is it's your connection point with the known and the unknown universe. Because, for example, once you let go of the ball, technically, given given everything we know you don't you have no more impact yeah, yeah that's the only thing you control and this is what i tell everybody is you can control literally every single aspect of the game until the ball comes out of your hand and everything else unless it comes to you everything else is out of your hands yeah you know it's, it is it's incredible it, it's a it's a tough concept to wrap your head around because you're like oh well, i can't do this i was like yes you can you can control almost everything right but you can't always hold yourself so accountable for the outcome because once the ball leaves your hand there's so many factors that are going to happen that are out of your hands that you can't dwell on them you have to move on to the night you have to play into the hand that you know so it's like playing a really a good hand of poker but you know but you can kind of see everybody else's cards right. because you have the information if you have all of the information and you know what's happening in the game then the answers are kind of in front of you and all you have to do is control what happens until the ball leaves your hand. And when you can, when you do that, just like in anything else, like if, if, if I give you all the answers to the test, uh, but there, that, that doesn't make sense. If, if I give you, if, if I tell you all the variables of an equation, so I guess that would still be the same concept. And I give you the, the outcome that should happen, then the chances are you're probably not going to miss much unless there's something going on that is a a, a constantly changing variable. And the only constant yeah, you can't change variable, yeah, yeah is, is, it is the human. It's the human factor, the human error interaction. But part of the equation of athletic performance is anomaly. That's part of it. So you can't give someone anomaly except for the fact that it, it is going to happen. Which is why it's the most incredible thing on the planet. I think I think baseball is the most incredible freaking. It's the most incredible thing you can do. It's the best sport. It's the best everything because. Usually in, in basketball, football, and so many other sports, the, the biggest, strongest, fastest team is going to win. It's not the case in baseball. Anybody can beat anybody on any, any given day because, God, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, there's so many – a centimeter can make the, the difference of winning and losing at any given moment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we don't need to dwell on, dwell on how much I love the game of baseball, but it's just uh, – Well, maybe we can – Maybe we can attempt to wrap it all up. Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, whatever we can do here, I want to. I want to make sure we get everything touched on. So, uh, if you want me to give you kind of the reader's digest of uh, of whatever is involving me, I'd, I'd more so like to touch on whatever you want me to touch on. So, just give, just let me know. All right. Well, let's try to wrap it up as where you are now from 
because Dodgers, it goes on after Dodgers, though. But sure, certainly, wrap, you know, bring it around to present day as best as you can. I'll try to guide it there in, in a short amount of time. And then maybe uh, I can actually, um, we can talk about this question a little bit because that's a great question. Yeah, no, I'd like to. Um, so uh, the reason I got so long-winded about the original topic of, of getting, you know, th that transition into the major leagues because uh, I, I continuously try to put myself in that mindset because of a teaching uh, perspective, right? So from that point on, it, it was, there, there, were, there were plenty of impact, impactful um people in my life. I, I talked about Russ, uh, Brad Osmus was a huge one. Um, he's a, I don't know if he's not a hall of famer, he's a borderline hall of famer that, uh, I, I probably need to touch on this point because of my 24th birthday when I was actually kind of cruising while I was with the Dodgers, um, finding myself and everything else transition, transitioning and, and, and understand trying to, grasp what it was to be in the major leagues because I had no idea what it was to act like a, a major leaguer act like you were supposed to be there which is a, a topic I see all to act like you've been there is something you hear constantly right um and there was there was a point I, I made an off day after I had just beaten I think I just pitched and, and beaten the the, the Detroit Tigers uh, it was a, it was a big game um we won. It was my third or fourth win. And uh, my 24th birthday was the next day. I went out in San Diego because we had an off day, right? And uh, hung out with our good friend of, I don't know if you remember, Eric Opolinski. Yeah. I hung out with him that night. It was the first time I talked to him for a long time. So I, I got, I had way too many drinks that night and I showed up and it was, it was one of these like, I, okay, you think you're, you're on top of the world and you show up at acting and, in a way that you probably, it's, it's not professional, especially it's a career, you know, and, and you don't realize that at the time you're just on top of the world and, and you're feeling like you're untouchable because you're doing interviews with people that you've seen on, seen on TV, right? Um, he grabbed me by the, by the collar and said, hey, look, man, if I ever see you in, engage in a meeting looking the way that we all know that you're feeling, ever again i'll i will basically I'll, 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 I'll kick your ass i'll physically harm you that's bullshit don't ever don't ever give in to the idea that you um that you're okay to act any anything other than professional mm -hmm. no matter the situation right and when you're turning 23 to 24 you don't know that you're like oh everybody knows my birthday right oh yeah. ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm the man right so like and that was a very big teaching point for me and something that I had to broadcast to several players in the past where it's, Hey man, uh, yeah, I don't like great. What'd you do? You had a great game yesterday. Guess what? Today's a different day. That was the whole point is today's a different day. Um, celebration last night. Cool. Today's a different day. Yeah. Um, let's embrace it. Let's embrace you're never, don't take a day off of, of uh, at a point where you can, you can learn at a point where you can, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And treading water is not acceptable if you re actually want to better yourself. I mean, there's days where we're, we're not feeling well, but like that, that was a huge teaching point for me. So um, 
moving on from that, there was, and I, some things I'll touch on, you and I can talk about it later too. We can, we can insert these into another, uh, you know, another period in time where, where we're going to do it. Hopefully we'll do plenty more, um, plenty oh, more yeah. of these, but, you know, um, I, th I think the next and most important part of my transition into adulthood was yeah. understanding how fleeting my success was when I was proven to be disposable. So uh, I had a bump in the road and everybody was patting me on the ass, right? So here I am, I'm, I, I'm, I'm one start away from having a bobblehead and a freaking you know, holiday in, in LA, you know, it was crazy. Uh, then things started to turn south, man. I, I just, I, I couldn't pinpoint exactly why. And I, I think it was preparation and it was a few other things that contributed to it. And also absorbing too many, too many outside and after looking back on it, irrelevant, um, irrelevant uh, stressors, irrelevant things that were told to me and, and things that I, I, in my mind thought I, I had to, I had to address things, things that I had to adjust to be like people telling me I was, this is who you are. You know, this is why you are, what you are, how are you addressing it? And I'm like, instead of focusing on what I had done and who I knew I was, I started to adopt the idea of, maybe I am who people are telling me I'm supposed to be and which is why I, I part of the reason I originally brought up the topic of like God bless like when you have so many external you know contributions to what you're supposed to, people telling you what you're supposed to act like what what you believe it your mind will always tell you what you what you think but it, like it's very easy to fall into what people tell you you should be am I, am I wrong about that like absolutely we call that the social mirror yeah okay it's all around us it's it's uh it tells us uh what we should be or what what it thinks that we are we start to believe it, it it's basically a projection of if it's a person it's, it's their experience on us um if it's a if it's a if it's a thing um it's 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 acting on us to be like it uh and and we try well I would say that we get lost in the social mirror and we, we start believing in it and we just believe a lie basically. Yeah. And you, and you just, you just get derailed on uh, from the path that, that you kind of set for yourself and, and you, and you lose, you just get, you, it's like a fog. You know what I mean? Like you, you start to, you start to disagree with yourself at times, you know, you start yeah. to lose track of, of what, <sighs> Your self-perception is your self-perception actually gets changed because right. you, I mean, it's, it's, it's so difficult. It's so difficult to deal with until you realize, Hey, all I got to do is trust in what I know I have done and how, how much knowledge I actually have. So I I'm prepared for this. Like I said, like I consistently, I, I always draw the parallel to preparing for a test. Mm -hmm. There's if you, if you take a math test, the, the equations, if you know how to do the equations, you're going to get them done, right? So it's, it's very similar. It's not the same, but it's very similar to if you prepare for a situation in, in any aspect, 
you, if you trust in what your preparation is going to provide you in, in the situations that you're going to be in, you don't have to worry about elevating yourself or worrying about what people are telling you to do. You fall back to your level of preparation always. Mm-hmm. And you just, if you just trust in it, you'll be fine. It took me a very long time to do that. So all the while then, you're going through this, this, this turmoil where your game is going south. That's, that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, and it, and I wasn't doing a, a terrible job, but it wasn't, it wasn't good enough to stay where I, at the level I was by any means. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, you can start to manifest these freaking very dark thoughts about it, you, God, you can even perceive things that aren't real, you know, and you, you just start telling yourself these things because you're not, oh, it's not fair, right? That, which is, God, how many, how many times, how many, how, how brutal is that frame of thought that this isn't fair? I deserve mm. feeling like you deserve something, even just because you're bitter about your situation. Bitterness is, the, I think the bitterness is the worst emotion. It's uh, it an it's a poison that runs through you and, and the, it's worse than the actual, you know, attack or whatever happened. It's worse. Yeah. And acceptance is the only medicine for, for bitterness, right? Like, and which. Well, I want to say that acceptance yeah. is the, is the remedy for all things. I would say it's a, it's a mystical perspective. It's, it's thousands of years old. Yeah. Uh, it's an Eastern teaching and then it moved to the West and it, uh, it's about it, yeah, but, observing yeah. and just accepting. And it's also the, the religious concept behind it is also known as surrendering. That's what it means to surrender, to like, to like put down your arms, let go, stop fighting, stop resisting and uh, let it happen. And a lot of, perceive that as weakness um and 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 they especially, come up with especially, scenarios. In, especially in western culture right yeah they come up with scenarios it's like oh so i should be attacked or i should be taken advantage of and it's like that's not uh surrendering doesn't ask you to be a pushover surrendering just asks that you observe what's going on as as objectively as you can because mm-hmm. we get lost in the subjective and act with some kind of elegance and, and grace from there and it's not easy but but it, it's once you do it a few times you rarely go back to the other way of handling things or you rarely go back to reacting before yeah, it, you observe. i was gonna say no the, the resonating message of your book is that exact thing you know like when i read your book that's a consistent theme of it i was like I mean, it could be labeled that, you know, they, they could be an alternate uh, title to your book. And, it, right. and, it's, and it's so true, though. It, it's, it's perfect. I, if, you know, and if anybody hasn't actually read that, I, I, I really enjoyed reading that book, man. Thank you. It was phenomenal. Well, that's yeah. I mean, and, and as you said, when you became, you know, as you became a man in, in, in that world, you're realizing these things. Right. When I became a man officially is when I realized that those things through resisting. Like that was my greatest teacher. And uh, once I let go, you know, I was lucky enough to have um, some kind of experience where I was shown my own self mm. as the enemy and I was able to let go. And they say in, in, in Asian culture, um, you have to let go of the rope that is 
um, dragging you on and you're holding the rope. Yeah. So it's, yeah. if it's a donkey and a That's carrot, so you're the donkey and the carrot. What a good point, man. What a good point. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, actually, I, the, the other, you asked about mentors. Uh, Josh Bard was the other one that kind of put, he was a catcher in uh, the Rocky. He had, yeah, I think, three or four years in the major leagues. He had quite a bit of time in the major leagues. He, he was with me in 2012 when I really came into my own. Um, this was after, and this actually leads right into the timeline that we're, that we're trying to address. Like, 2011 was a very uh, uh, up and down, very turbulent year for me. And 2012 kind of brought it all together. And Josh Bard was a huge part of that. He, he allowed me to kind of see myself for who I, for who I was, even though I was right about a points, a lot of, oh, sorry, a lot of points that I brought up. I was also wrong in my perception of them, you know, and like in the definitive, like negative nature that I was thinking of them. And he put them into a really good and understand, like he's a great teacher, actually. Josh Bard needs to be recognized <laughs> in my career, at least, you know, because um, he was going through his own struggles as well. But he, he was at a point where he could see his personal counterpoint and, and, and recognize it. And he was able to project it in his lessons that he was, he was trying to give to people while he, while he was able, because he was still in the moment, in, in the, the actual action at, toward the end of his career um and and it turned that that season into a historic season it was it was it was amazing I, I i did things that year that nobody had ever done and it was and it wasn't because i adjusted what i was able to do it was adjust my adjustment of my perception of them um set records throughout the the pacific coast league and i've done a lot of things i did and and i realized oh gosh i can i I can't believe how powerful just mindset and and overall consciousness of a situation and, and, and perception of a situation is because I never viewed it that way before. And it allowed me to see so clearly. Um, and that's really the year that I became, started the journey on the toward the adult that I am now, you know, nice. uh, and that I continue to try to, to, to build on, you know, like, cause we, we never, we never quit that, 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 that hike never, never ends. Right. 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 Uh, you know, which, which was met with a lot of resistance because right after that year I was traded to the Astros and I blew my elbow out. I, I had to have surgery, you know, but I never gave up that, that, that vision. And yeah, I got, I got jobbed a little bit. I got really handled and I never saw it that way. I never actually gave into the idea like, hey, uh, yeah, I think the best thing that I could have taken from that was, yeah, I could have been, I could have been bitter, right? About the way that everything happened from that point on, but I could have done things differently. I could have handled it. Like it was, it was, like, it was my fault. I And you're talking about going I up, had going down, down I had control you know, Sorry, try to that? recover and then other yeah. teams taking you. Yeah. And, and I can say, I, I had another three or four years on, on the end of my career. They're all injury laden, but it was never, there was never that, that attitude of, oh man, screw, you know, 
screw me. Like I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting screwed here. You know, like right. brief moments of that. It's hard not to, when you know you are, but at the same time, like everything's in your control. You're still playing ball. Yeah. And, and you just look, look you look at the fact, like, look, Hey man, I'm doing things that nobody else is doing right now. And I'm learning things that nobody else is learning right now. I'm going to do my best and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to do everything I can. It's helped my life, Raj. Like it's helped, it's helped me. Like I, I would be in a very dark place if I didn't turn that corner Mm -hmm. and dedicated myself after my career had ended. Cause I, I, Originally, was going to go over to Asia and, and play in Japan and Korea for a, a substantial amount of money. But I realized my arm was done. And, and, and we were like, hey, you know what? We're going to cut this off because it, it, it just it just realistically isn't going to work, right? It, it, it too early of an age. And you know what? Could have gone south, but it didn't. And you know why? It's because of that maturation and that mindset and you've actually done a good job of putting what I went through into words to me over the course of our recent friendship, because I, I, I can hear you. You're almost like the voice in my head explaining um, what I was feeling at the time and how I handled it. So all I could think of is I need to help other people through this. And that's when I decided, Hey, you know what? I got to I got to go into coaching. I got to go. People need to people need to see this perspective because if they and it wasn't like the the skill set. You know, people have skills. There's a reason. You know, you 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 you're you're born with the ability to have these skills, and yeah, you you hone them. Mm-hmm. You have the knowledge, and you you study that that ability to hone those skills. But what you're really doing is giving young minds perspective so they don't go off the rails yeah. in a situation where it's very easy to do yeah it's like you could you could define coaching as it's not it's not that i want to tell people what's going on it's like i want to be next to people as they're suffering and maybe we can like take away some of the burden be, be the one that goes through it with them together yeah you know, like yeah it's a team effort man like it, it, there's nothing nobody's alone and and loneliness and, and the feeling of loneliness is what i mean that's that's the opposite of loneliness in my mind is love right so we 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 love is doing things together and and a, and the consistent mindset that you aren't going through this by yourself like when, when you when you understand that somebody's with you that's why why do, why do people get married because they want to journey through something together. That's love. That's why I got married because I'm in love with my wife and I want to go through the rest of my life with her together. Uh, and it's, it's not about anything else. And, and love is, is, it doesn't have to just, it's not just specified in, in the idea of, okay, I, I feel strongly, strong, intimate feelings or anything like that. So we, we, it's so convoluted. It's, it's, it's the opposite of loneliness. You know, it's, it's the feeling that somebody's there with me. Uh, it's, it's as old as time. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. if you don't, if you don't have, it, it's very difficult to do. That's why when, when people say I'm okay with being, no, you're not. You're like, you need some sort of a, some sort of support system and support is love, you know? And then that's what I, I'm, I feel pretty strongly about that. So 
it's I I feel like I'm there just to provide that feeling for these guys, whether they doesn't need to be posed as that. And, and it doesn't, you don't have to use that word, but right. it's a very strong feeling. It's, it's the strongest feeling on earth. It's the most driven feeling on earth and you can do anything. You move mountains with love. You know what I mean? Like with, with that feeling, like, like there's that. nothing that can stop you. I mean, it does. I mean, tell me if, if that sounds. That's it. The, the, and, and guys, especially, um, they can use that word, you know, they can use love. They, they need a little bit more of it, a little bit more, um, less on the toughness, more on like, let's, let's, let's do this together kind of thing. It, solidarity for guys is tough to admit and to, to, to attract. But once it happens, it's like this, the, 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 the way that guys can bond are, uh, you know, can, as you said, can move mountains. And it, there's something there that, that, that men truly want to see every other man do better. Um, I always have a joke, you know, like women, they secretly hate each other. <laughs> and, and, and guys, they, they openly want every other guy to do better. And there's some kind of dynamic there. Uh, let me turn off notifications real quick. Oh, fine. But and if, when, if we can, and like masculinity coaching is taking that space now, it's, it's trying to be open about bringing guys together and say, hey, we do benefit from this type of bonding. We don't have to necessarily close each other off and just have these one-on-ones. We can actually have groups of connection and things like that. Um, and I, I have found that to be um, a pretty special thing. And, and I know some famous uh, masculinity coaches. I've been uh, to some of their workshops. I've seen their stuff and it's powerful. And it really, for guys, it's kind of easy. You just got to get them in the same room. You got to keep them, keep them put and then make sure they don't stand up and try to walk away. If you can, if you can do that for a certain amount of time, all of a sudden, and as you know, this open book starts happening and they start telling you all these things. And the key is to get guys comfortable enough to where you don't have to like, you don't have to convince them to do that, but that they do that naturally and mm-hmm. if they do that naturally. They can then attain some level of openness. I would actually, I would venture to say they want to do that. They just don't know how to. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're yes. Because of, because of so many, uh, whatever, whatever you branch off and talk about any, any factors that contribute to that for hours, but yeah, but they don't want to, right? They, they, right. they, they have a, they have issues, man. Like, I, I mean, I was blessed not to have as many of those issues. Like, I, I feel like it, once things are out in the open, it's just it, it's easier to handle. You know, and then that, teaching yeah. that aspect and putting things like putting yourself out there to me, I felt like it helps everybody else when I put myself out on the line, whether it's a joke, whether it's serious, whether it's anything else, sharing experience, um, breaking the ice with something that's, that's personal yet comical or awkward or whatever it may be and showing how willing you are to, to, to just, to just share that experience it 
it allows it affords everyone around you the opportunity to realize that it's not hard even if even if we know it is right right it's probably the hardest part about being an adult male is being um exposed about being vulnerable is yeah. not easy right you know right. so but vulnerability is actually the strongest thing you can be because once you accept your faults nobody can use them against you mm-hmm. you know like not nothing else can 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 harm you once your internal issues are dealt with right external issues are easy man like we could we there's a process for that internal issues are the hardest part exactly know? exactly that that's that's i like that a lot in internal issues is not self-evident it's like there's a there's a system of and procedure for everything outside everything mechanical um but inside we have a complex web of novelty and we could go either way god knows what happened before and and the problem is our mind deletes some things that did happen it distorts things and it and it generalizes and and these things come out of our mouth like blah and you're yeah. like, all right, let's, <laughs> there's so much to yeah. unpack. We can't really oh, see yeah. what we're doing. It's like trying to put together a car in, in dark and without any light. <laughs> you're not wrong. And then, and, or they manifest themselves in some other like, like physical form or, or some, some other, like something else that has nothing to do with the actual issue. You know, they manifest. It's just like, it, it turns into an alternate issue that just could have been, it could have been cut off at the pass. Yeah. Had it just been acceptable to bring up, you know, like I go through that all the time and that's one of my biggest issues. I'm terrible at not bringing up issues that I could easily alleviate by just talking about them and I'm getting better at it, but that's also what I preach to these guys. Like, let's just talk, yeah. you know, like bring it out. And, and it, it, because I understand how big of a problem it can't be um now no, it's it so how, you got you were blessed enough to get into the coaching world um from your career how did that happen and and now that's where you are right now same team as when you first started uh white Sox. yeah it came full circle a little bit here and uh, i was hired by one of the most incredible men in the world buddy bell and luck i was lucky when he went to the reds to be kept on by chris Katz and and um I'm very fortunate to be in the position I am, you know, um, it, it's hard to, first off, it's hold, hard to hold a job in today's day and age and uh, very fortunate. Um, it's been just so reward the, the rewarding aspects of this part of the job far outweigh the actual, um, the, the glorification of what I went through when I was an actual player. Like I wouldn't trade anything for playing in the major leagues. Like I told you, I would give a, I would give anything for to go back and be in the major leagues one more time. However, the overall gratification of what my students were able to accomplish, not just as players, but as, as men and the, and their reciprocation of that, you know, the gratitude they give to me, I can't express enough how how incredible that feels. I would never want to do anything else. This is a it's an amazing career to be in, and it goes far beyond just 
teaching the skills of the game, which is a part of it. But you know, you, you, oh God, Rajali, it's it's it is it is elating when when you. I just got a text from from one of our players that traded about how much, you know, our instruction, how much he grew as a, as a human being and it had nothing to do with baseball. And he just told us like, thank you so much. I'm like, I, I was in tears. I was, I was sitting there. I was like, God, guys, like, this is why we do it. You know, this is, yeah. and, and it, it, it's really, it just shows you, it, I mean, it's a big, it's a bit, it was, it was incredible. That, that feeling is irreplaceable. Yeah. You're hundred percent on that. Um, and, and the, the, the world of, of mentoring and coaching and guiding can be, well, is dark and, and it's because you're, you're reaching people from a dark place. You have to be there and to not get pulled in yourself is damn near impossible. And the only you absorb those issues, do you not? I mean, I, I absorb those issues. I take them on myself, man. I really yeah. do. I... And the only thing that keeps you from, from quitting is, is that that one text or that phone call or that, that message or that comment. And it's like, Hey, FYI, thanks for saving my life. <laughs> Cause I'd be dead without you. <laughs> and you're like, all of a sudden a new, a new burst of air comes into your lungs and you can breathe for another few weeks. <laughs> weeks, man. That, I mean, that give me years, dude. I, that, that just that, oh man, it, it really, it really just puts an exclamation point on, on just everything that you do. I, 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 that's why you do it. You know, yeah. you, get that, you get that phrase from people as bold is why we do it. You know, then you understand what that means. It's like, Oh my God, this is actually just reinforces and it makes you, it, it just puts more coal in the engine, man. Like it just freaking yeah. fires you up. And yeah, yeah, no, it's, I think, I think you understand it and, and being able to, I would love to portray that to anybody they can possibly <laughs> try to get that, man. Anybody they can, anybody with ears, I will, I will scream that too, man. I'll scream <laughs> out the mouth. That's great. That's good stuff. All right. I think, uh, John, I want to, I want to wrap up there. Um, and we Perfect. can, if you have time, uh, we can talk more off air, but if not, we'll talk later. Uh, sure. And yeah, and let me thank you for the time that you've given so far. And there's thousands of people listening to your voice. Thank you uh, to them uh, for sticking around. And if I don't know if you want, if you have a, a channel or a medium, or a, something that you know people can reach you at, and if they want to reach out to you, do you have anything like that you want to share? I mean, I have my Instagram, but I, or like that's how I think we originally connected. Uh, it's, I don't do a whole lot of social media. I don't, I don't love to to get immersed in it. Uh, yeah. But it's it's fine. Be, I have a, I have a uh, an Instagram. I have an email. I don't really want to give out my email just because I already have so much to respond to. But tell any, anybody to go to John underscore Eli 23 at, uh, at you know at Instagram or at John Eli 23 underscore 23 they're more than welcome to man I, I will I'll respond to anyone man I, I, I'm here to help like and like I said I'm here to help you uh, and 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 what you're projecting to, I think this is phenomenal I like I've said it 30 times but God you guys do like you're talking about some really really beneficial stuff here and I I just appreciate it. No, don't, don't like, honestly, my time is you, dude. Like, I, hey, I'm, I'm here, man. Like I'm anything I can help. If I have a few minutes, that's, I, I want to just want to help. Uh, Cause 
if you're not helping your what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> all right man i'm uh let's wrap it there if i say anything we'll just keep going so thank you sir and uh we'll talk soon <laughs>